Welcome to our Making History Parenting Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, which includes great podcasts like Men's Leadership Network, As You Go for Women, and our Sermon Series Podcasts. Our Making History Podcast is designed to help parents navigate various stages in your parenting. Most of all, we want to help make God's story come alive in the hearts of your kids. My name is Jennifer Akers, and with me is co-host Chase Baker. Hey, hey, and today we are going to I'll be talking about marriage. So to get us going, Jennifer, how long have you been married? Well, Keith and I are about to celebrate 14 years in just a couple weeks. 14 years. Yes. And we um, actually, the day this is being recorded, tomorrow is our 15 year anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you, what do you do? What do you, what kind of gift do you give for 15? I think you need to take her on a trip. A trip? Yeah, you have a baby. That might be a little bit hard. Yeah, babies are hard. I mean, you should definitely get her a good gift, though. Yeah, I need to give her. I need to work. I need go to work. shopping. <laughs> need to if it's shopping tomorrow. <laughs> today, I need to go shopping. Uh, okay, well, uh, we'll work on that after um, this recording. So, <laughs> anyway, today we are talking about the impact that our, our marriages have on our kids. This is such an important issue. Because oftentimes, unless people are really good at hiding from their kids, the state of our marriage trickles down to our kids. Mm -hmm. That's right. So to help us talk about marriage today are two people that are not only married, but have a counseling organization and ministry that provides coaching and training for individuals, couples, and teams called Wellspring. So we sat down to talk with Jeff and Laura Helton about marriage and the impact that our marriages have on our kids. And Jeff is an executive coach and a life coach who specializes in organizational and relational health. Whether working with individuals, marriages, or teams, Jeff loves helping others gain clarity, find direction, live free, and function at their highest and best capacity. And Laura is passionate about providing a safe place to women where grace, empathy, acceptance, and truth are offered. With her master's degree in clinical psychology, combined with years of life experience as a wife, mom, and mentor, Laura guides women to develop self-compassion and self-acceptance as they discover the essence of who they are. So we want to let you know that after this episode, if you have additional questions you would like to ask Jeff or Laura, you can answer uh, or to answer. Um, You can check those out in our show notes and how you can ask those questions. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview. Jeff and Laura, thank you so much for being here. We're so thankful that mm-hmm. you're you're here, and honestly, this is a conversation that we've been looking forward to, and uh, Jennifer and I were really excited about mm-hmm. it. Now, to get us started, here's what I would like you to do. Tell us a little about yourselves, your family, and also how Wellspring, the ministry organization, counseling organization that, that you guys started, how that came to be. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. And Jeff and I have been married for 34 years this July, and we have four children who range in age from 24 to 31, and uh, three boys and a girl. So our boys have, um, we've learned a lot through the ups and downs of raising boys, and then the uniqueness of raising a girl also. So the different worlds, um, but we've we've learned a lot through the mistakes and through the wonderful joys and challenges and so they we have four grandchildren and another one on the way so we're empty nesters enjoying Mm -hmm. grandparenting um and just still 
you know, continuing to work in the midst of really loving this season yeah. as well. So you had uh, the oldest, it's a boy, yes, girl, girl, boy, boy. That's right. That's okay. right. Grandchildren, what are... We have two girls and two boys. Okay. Yes. Mm. Yes. So our three boys are married and daughter is single and um, yeah. And I often say to parents, uh, hang in there on the parenting thing. Grandparenting is coming. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Had I known how good grandparenting was, I might have skipped parenting and gone straight to grandparenting. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I'm joking. It's, right here. Yeah. it's, right here. it's great. It's great. That's awesome. You'd mentioned a, asked a question about Wellspring as well. You know, our, our background was in vocational ministry. I was a pastor for 27 years mm-hmm. and loved that world. Uh, Laura was raised as a pastor's kid, always heavily involved in the church. And about 12 years ago, we just came to a season where we realized God was calling us to something different. And I think me, even before Laura, just loved my days in the church, but felt like it was time to do something mm-hmm. different. And um, back shortly after our oldest was born in the early 90s, we, we came across a verse that, that we had actually calligraphied, commissioned to, to do for us, a calligrapher commissioned to do it for us. And it hangs in our home, and it's kind of our family verse, Proverbs 4.23. Uh, Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Love it. And mm-hmm. that passage had just been huge for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura and I both have always been people focused on hearts and focused on relationships. That's how we wanted to parent. You know, that the heart matters a whole lot more than just the words or the behavior. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge for all of us parents. So in 2010, when, when I left working the local church and decided to start this little practice where we do a lot of life coaching, Laura's trained as a therapist. We both do more of a coaching approach to working with individuals and with mm-hmm. couples, and I do some work with teams as well. It was really easy when we thought about what we call this thing to go back to that family verse and go, Wellspring, mm-hmm. we really want to help people find deep abundance out of a whole heart to be able to live in a way where they guard their heart for the purpose of being able to give their heart. I love that. So, yeah, so awesome. Wellspring came out of that uh, mm-hmm. for us. That's really what we do. We try to really help people in paths of healing at times, in paths of personal growth and development, in spiritual formation. Uh, it's really a treat to be able to walk with individuals, with couples, and with teams to be all that God intended them to be. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, we want to focus in and zero in a little bit on marriages today, talking um, especially to our moms and dads. And a lot of times we we look at our marriage and we wonder, we compare it to other people's marriages and we think, is this, are we in a healthy place? Are we not in a healthy place? Um, do you have some identifiers maybe that you can help walk us through of, of what a healthy marriage might look like versus an unhealthy marriage? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we feel like has been so helpful is the work of John Gottman. He's a researcher and an expert, and he's come up with four key identifiers for things that we do not want to have consistently in our marriage. So I'm going to start with that, and then we'll talk about, mm-hmm. so if we don't do that, what do we want to do? So the first one is criticism. If there's a lot of criticism, if we're just assassinating the character of somebody else, if it's critical, you don't do this, you don't do that, that is a red flag to say, Um, that is one of the predictors of divorce Mm. down the road if there's a consistency Mm. of criticism. The second one is contempt, which is really when we're just mean to our Mm. spouse, when there's devaluing, when there's a lot of sarcasm, nonverbal eye rolls, um, really disrespectful. That's, again, a sign of um, the harm that's being done, that if there's a lot of that consistently, it, it really mm-hmm. is uh, creates an unsafe marriage. And then the third one is defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, we all have tendency to be defensive, mm-hmm. so we need to pay attention to that. But when there's a consistency of defensiveness, when there's not a willingness to look at what, what my part has been, it 
it just shuts down the communication and is tends to be very harmful for a relationship. And then the fourth one is stonewalling. So kind of looking at where, how often do you stonewall, which is just shutting down, either checking out emotionally, checking out physically, walking out of the room, and just refusing to continue engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, some of these, you know, I know for me in our marriage, there were times of defensiveness, probably the two for me are defensiveness and stonewalling that I have a tendency to do. And so even, even if we have tendencies, just to pay attention and say, okay, this isn't healthy in our marriage. Um, and what can I do mm-hmm. differently? And so I think Jeff kind of talk about the ones instead of that, what parts are healthy marriage? Well, before I do that, uh, I, I, these, the, the question about you know, healthy versus unhealthy marriage is such mm-hmm. a great question. And, and Laura was kind of hitting on it there at the end. I always try to be careful with that because in our culture right now, we're looking for an excuse out in so many marriages. Mm -hmm. So if we're unhealthy or if my spouse looks like a narcissist or if somebody's really mean, then, oh, my goodness, I need to get away from this person. They're really bad. Please hear me. There are situations where marriages need to end. I, I don't think that's God's plan. I don't think that's what's best. But there are marriages that are toxic, that are wicked. There are people who are evil. But the reality is all of us have moments of unhealth in our marriage. And I think the more we can embrace that, the more comfort we feel in addressing it, that we're not weird. I think part of our deal in our marriage in the early years was feeling like, man, we both were raised in Christian homes. I'm a pastor. She's a counselor. We can't have something going on with us. Surely not. Surely we're not messed up. And the reality is, just like everybody else, yeah, we were struggling with criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. Those four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse is what John Gottman Mm -hmm. called them. It's interesting how he discovered those. In the 90s, he followed 1,500 marriages. He just looked at them. He brought them into an office, much like where we're sitting today, and he watched them through a one-way mirror, and he gave them a prompt question, and he asked them to talk for 20 minutes. And all he did was from outside of the room, he observed them communicating with each other. That's all he did. Nothing fancy. He didn't ask any questions. It's just like Laura and me sitting in this room, and he watched us talk for 20 minutes. At the end of it, he made a prediction. And his question was, will they be married in seven years or not? Seven years later, after following those 1,500 couples over that time, he was accurate 94% of the time. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Now, think about that. On the one hand, that's terrifying that somebody could watch me for 20 minutes and say, y'all are are up the creek, so to speak, right? On the other hand, I think it's really liberating. I think it's really empowering. Gottman has kind of become the the science of love guy instead of just the art of love. You know, we love the poets and we love the songs all about the beauty and the fun and the romance of love. But Gottman has taken it to another level of saying it's really important that we understand their predictable behaviors, predictable Mm -hmm. patterns. And if they exist, that's what creates the unhealth or even the disconnection that we experience at times in our marriages. That's great. Mm -hmm. Super helpful to think about those things that... There are behaviors that we are doing. Laura just called them off. And if they show up in your marriage, they need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about these four antidotes to the, the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. And just quickly, I'll hit those. That, that instead of being able to, instead of practicing criticism, what if we're able just to make requests? You know, so much of criticism comes out of a fair need or a fair expectation, but we start being critical because it feels like it's not being met. Mm-hmm. Well, the antidote there is learning how to just say, hey, there's something I want. There's something I need. Can we talk about it? Can we dialogue? Can we see if we can make this work? Secondly, instead of being contemptuous, to be able to show appreciation and respect. It's amazing how easy 
taking, using words of appreciation, using words of, of respect, disappear in a marriage. Mm. The little things, Laura has always said that, the little things are what seem to matter most. Mm -hmm. When you can come in at the end of a day, uh, dad and mom has been there with a bunch of preschoolers and the, and the house is somewhat in order and there's something that's cooking on the stove, to be able to go, babe, you killed it today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wow, I can't believe what you got done. Mm -hmm. Something that simple really changes the whole uh, thermometer in, in the house, and, mm -hmm. and sometimes we miss those things. Gottman says, instead of defensiveness, let's learn to accept responsibility. That's a pretty obvious one, right? Yeah. Instead of me blaming you, what if I take responsibility? Yeah. I love the metaphor. Let me stay on my side of the street. You stay on your side of the street. I want to own what's mine, and I want to talk to you about what's creating the conflict between us. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, instead of stonewalling, you know, when we stonewall, it really is the ultimate protective defense mechanism, right? We're putting up like a fort around us so we don't get hurt anymore. So instead of stonewalling, we need to learn how to self-soothe and then engage. Simply just, wait, I'm hurt right now or I'm angry right now. How do I name that? How do I identify that? And how do I find the courage to say, hey, babe, I feel like running away. I feel like I don't want to talk to you. I know that's not good for us. Can we sit down tonight after the kids are in bed? Mm -hmm. Can we engage mm -hmm. about this? Mm -hmm. So for us, that, that healthy, unhealthy place is something we're constantly <clears throat> thinking about and constantly what we see walking in our offices mm -hmm. is couples saying, hey, help us. How do we yeah. get stuck? How do we get unstuck from this pattern that we've been stuck in? No, yeah. that, that's really good. I can sit and listen to these yeah, guys all day. I'm so. wanting to make <laughs> all like, the yeah, notes. No, I'm going to no, listen back to this a little bit. Now, we have a lot of uh, uh, parents that are obviously listening to this. And so the the um, you've already hit on a lot of great tools for us. But the, the question I have is, why is marriage so important in our parenting? Mm -hmm. You know, as our kids watch us um, live this married life. Mm -hmm. Yes. <clears throat> I think a good marriage provides stability and security. You know, so there's a difference between a healthy marriage and mm -hmm. an unhealthy marriage, what we were just talking about. And it's the healthy marriage that provides security, stability, knowing that this is a safe place that mom and dad are... Uh, modeling. I think that's the second thing: stability and modeling for how do you do relationships. Mm. You know, I always kind of say our families are our university of relationships. It's where we learn how do we do we can we trust? Can we know that people are going to be there? Is it okay to talk about things? Is it okay to feel? And so, a healthy marriage is going to provide an environment where a child then is free to not worry about mom and dad, but able to just be a kid and be free to, mm -hmm. to play and to be carefree. But if there's tensions and if there's an unhealthy marriage and conflict that's consistent, the child ends up being more concerned about how the parents are doing and how to help provide stability. And so a healthy marriage is, you know, it just is such a gift to a child to be able to be free who, to to, to be the child that they were created to be and to enjoy the things that, that are appropriate for 8, 10, 12, 14-year-old instead of them having to grow up so quickly to say, I've got to be the stabilizer here. That's I think good. even practically in my own life story, grew up in a good family in many ways, a Christian family from the outside, everybody would said, wow, they've got it together. But at home, my dad was very passive, very quiet, didn't engage a lot. My mom was very dominant, kind of the old school Southern matriarch, mm -hmm. if you please. Mm -hmm. and, and so as a young boy, I learned early on that when mom was upset about something, ooh, mom and dad don't seem like they're doing well. Ooh, if I help mom out, things will be better. And so I learned at an early age to do this caregiving, this people-pleasing thing really, really well. Now, there's a long story behind that and the negative impact it had on my journey. 
But what I realize is as look at the environment we tried to create for our kids, where our kids didn't feel like if mom and dad are not doing well, or if mom and dad are in a, a hard place, or if mom and dad are having a deep conversation, you don't have to fix it. We're a team. We'll fix it. Mm -hmm. To me, that was a great gift we wanted to give our kids. I didn't want my kids to feeling like, oh, dad looks like he's sad. We need to take care of dad. Or, oh, mom's going through something really hard right now. How do I stop my life and take care of mom? That's a sign so of that, that, that something's not right and the kids aren't getting everything they need from, from that family unit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I think as we talk about that and think about our kids and the perspective that they have watching us as parents and as a married couple and learning what it looks like to have this relationship and build this relationship, when we talk about those moments where um, heated discussions or arguments do happen, we know that sometimes that does happen in front of our kids, even when we don't want it to. Um, do you have some best practices and some things that we can think about as moms and dads when those moments happen? How do we reconcile well um, and some of that in front of our kids and obviously some of that is is after we step away? What are some of the things we should think about in those moments? Yeah. Early on, we, we, we knew that we wanted to be okay with conflict in our home. We wanted to be okay for our kids to see it and see yeah. us having it. Now, now, that's a scary statement if you don't define conflict well. Mm -hmm. For us, conflict wasn't violence. Conflict wasn't let's yell and scream at each other. Conflict wasn't let's do something that, that's going to scare each other or scare our children. But let's understand that we're going to have two different opinions on any possible issue. And so let's not be afraid to sit down together. And if one of the kids walks by, it's okay. One of my favorite stories about that is when our, our middle son, Jacob, was probably around eight or nine years old. Laura and I were sitting at the kitchen table one day, and we were having a conflict about something. And our conflicts will happen in a voice tone about like where they are now. We're not big yellers, and we've been intentional not to be that. I, I certainly was that as a parent at times, but with each other, we want to show respect. We want to really defer, but we also were, when we disagree, you know, there's that moment of exasperation we all feel, and just like, oh, oh my goodness, you know, or, or phrases like that would come out. And I remember Jacob with one of his friends came walking by us, and I heard them just as they were walking away, and he said, oh, don't worry about that. My parents are just having one of their conflicts. And, oh. and for him, it was like, it was normal. <laughs> it was okay. And so one of the things we encourage parents with is don't be afraid to practice conflict mm -hmm. in earshot of your kids if, big if, if you know how to do conflict in a healthy way. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't, learn to do it. I know you'd ask the question, too, about um, what happens when, when they see it and you know it's impacted them and you need to mm -hmm. double back on it. Yeah, I think it's it's being able to follow up with them and say, hey, we're taking care of, we're, we're discussing this, we're working out, working this out, and you're not responsible mm -hmm. for it. But but if that scared you for any reason, which hopefully it doesn't because, it, you know, it's in, it's not... Um, done in a, a, you know, a raised voices or screaming, but there are a lot of homes where that is happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stress has brought a lot of stuff out of, you know, people that, that just has been really difficult. And so I think it is just taking time to listen to a child and be able just to be a safe place and say, mm -hmm. hey, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what that was like for you. Um, you know, and if, and disagreements in marriage is okay. It's just like Jeff said, it's how we, we do that. But I think protecting a child and saying, you know, if we messed up or, or if, you know, gosh, I was too, I responded poorly to dad and I'm, I've apologized to dad. I just want you to know that wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. That's good. I think one of the things too that we see often are, are moms and dads that, that don't recognize the weight of their words in front of their kids, Right. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and 
I think we forget what our kids are being exposed to, especially if our kids are out with other friends, they're in school settings, whatever. They're hearing about divorced parents pretty yeah. frequently. Yeah. And especially in a young child's mind, usually the reason is, is because mom and dad fight a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when a child at home sees mom and dad fighting and there's no context for what that is, there's no context that, no, this is a healthy conversation and no, you know, we're, we're not going to do anything to each other, hurt each other. And yes, we love each other. And yes, we'll always be married. Now, I do remember once our daughter asking, are you and mom okay? Are y'all going to get a divorce? You know, young elementary age school, but it was just that fear of, oh my goodness, my friend's parents just got divorced. Are y'all going to do that? Mm-hmm. So bringing reassurance to our kids is such an important part mm-hmm. of, of doubling back mm-hmm. when there's been those conflictual moments in the home. Yeah. I just want to go back to how do we reconcile well after disagreements. Mm-hmm. And I think of the importance of being able to apologize. And Jeff was much better about this early in our marriage of just being able to say, I'm sorry. And part of it was he was generally, genuinely sorry, and it was part of, let's just kind of move on. I had to really work at owning that I had made a mistake. And so I think just as, you know, we're going to mess up, and can we learn to say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong, or I was short with you, mm-hmm. and I apologize, and and that's the repair. Mm-hmm. I think the importance of, of the repair that's done because we're going to make mistakes, but can we come back and say, I'm sorry, and then really try to work at not doing that mm-hmm. again. Yeah. But but a, a willingness to own and to say, I'm sorry. And that healthy marriage indicator that you talked about. Yes. I mean, owning, owning. owning what mm-hmm. happened and doing that mm-hmm. in front of your kids, how powerful. I love that Jacob was able to call it a conflict. That's what that's what made me Google because it, you don't hear that word fight. I think that's such mm-hmm. a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really important um I don't know. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the the apology. I, I remember growing up, and, uh, and as kids, um, my, my parents are awesome. Love my parents. Um, they have a great marriage. They're great parents. Grew up in a Christian home. and um, But there are those moments that I remember clearly of the conflict that they have. And they may have a thousand great moments, but I remember the the one moment that I thought, oh, no. Mm-hmm. This is this is it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I remember, I was in maybe middle school, had a huge argument. I don't even know what it was. I know that we we kind of had uh, financial things going on, um, but my dad left, and I thought, okay, well, this is not good. Um, and there was a lot of emotion behind it, and my, um, so he's outside, gone. I don't know where. And my mom goes and sits on the uh, the, the the porch. And uh, three boys in the home. We didn't know what to do. We're like, you know, what what do we? You know, I had a um, two brothers that were in high school at the time. I was I was in middle school, and and so. Um, but the the great thing that I remember about that wasn't that he necessarily left, but he came back, realized, wait, that was a mistake. Yeah. They both came in, sat us all down, mm. wow. and they apologized to one another. What a gift. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, okay, that could have been really bad and really scarred me in a different way. That's right. Mm-hmm. But I saw the I saw kind of the redemptive nature of yeah. it. Yeah. Um even though they disagreed on something, they thought it important, oh, the kids saw us. Um and we need to fix it. Yeah. We need to make yeah. it right. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think good. I love that story, Chase, because I think we live with this mentality at times that as parents we have to be perfect or we can't show our weakness or we can't show where we've been wrong 
kids are not looking, nor do they need perfect parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They need humble parents. Parents that are willing to look, just like your mom and dad didn't say, hey, we were wrong. Sorry, guys, that, that's out of bounds. I mean, what a gift they gave you yeah. and your brothers that day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, in, in, you know, we oftentimes in moving on, the, the, the busyness of life hits us. And so the, one of the questions we had was, um, what are some ideas and ways that you keep your marriage a priority amidst the, the busy seasons of life where just kids are going everywhere, um, your, your schedules are busy with work, um, if both, both parents works. You know, that's a different story than the school activities, the the sporting events, those kind of things. How do you keep it together? Yeah, we were talking through this because we certainly have experienced busyness with raising four kids. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the things that we try to do is look at what are the things that we are not going to add to our schedule? What are the things that we don't want to add that we're gone every weekend with a sports team that for us, that was just like, because we know this other thing is important to us, Mm -hmm. or we're not going to do this. That requires kids to be out four or five nights a week over dinner time, because this is what is valuable for us. And every family is different, but for us, that's, that was one of the things to say, okay, what does it look like for family? But then for marriage specifically is how do we, put a date on the calendar to say this is this is a priority for us and I think um, the couple things just practically that that were helpful for us and I think is on Sunday nights when our kids were young we would just say Sunday nights was because kind of our touch base what does the week look like because it was hard to get time to kind of talk about logistics and so sometimes the logistics is what created the conflicts you know it's like oh I thought you were going to be there and I, I was here mm-hmm. you know and so talking about what is what's coming up in this week and what's coming up in this month so we were on the same page and then just having date nights once every couple of weeks where we just knew this is this is on the calendar we can look forward to it and and we want to make time for that. And I think marriage has to be a priority. It's like one of the big rocks that's put in the jar first before all the other little pebbles, you know, it's saying, how do we prioritize that? Because it doesn't take, it can take a few days and we feel like we're on different planets, you know? And if we don't really stay, you know, connected and even just the end of the day, hey, how was your day? What, how, how are things going? How did your meeting go? Just a touch base daily are, are ways to stay connected in the midst of, busyness but it means saying how do we make this a priority and how do we make sure we stay connected in the midst of um that time and so for us it was those touch points i think another thing that we did uh, two things were we were part of a small group that focused on marriages and that was a priority for us three out of four weeks a month and we paid a babysitter and just that was our investment and so we did that for five years when our kids wow. were young mm-hmm. and then there was a season where we just exchanged babysitting with another family and they would have a date night and we'd go over i'd go over and watch the kids and then we'd switch so which we really there's a sacrifice that's it yeah there's a sacrifice of something but something's going to get sacrificed yeah and to your point, it doesn't it. just happen. You it gotta doesn't be just intentional. happen. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I, I love what Laura said. The only thing I would add to it is that word you just used, intentionality. I think some of us need to do a ruthless examination of our calendars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look back on, though we try to be very intentional with how we how we budgeted our times. Uh, time, I look back now and I go, man, there were probably places where we just, 
follow the flow of the busyness, especially a county like we live in, yeah. can, can kind of feed yeah. the fuel too. So being intentional, being able to stop and kind of regularly check in and say, wait, how, how are we living with our calendars? Are we managing our calendar or is our calendar managing mm. us? Yeah. And a lot of that, like you said, is that is the parenting piece mm-hmm. with the calendar mm-hmm. is that we've talked about this before in podcasts that it starts out as as husband and wife making this calendar and then kids come along mm-hmm. and they almost start creating mm-hmm. Take over. the calendar for you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um, so a lot of that um, comes with decisions in our mm-hmm. marriages. And like you said, are we going to choose this? Or are we going to say no to this? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's so many other decisions that come along the way with parenting from a toddler to a teenager. And there's going to be moments where mom sees something differently than dad. And that's just going to happen. We're right. different people and we were raised in different homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do in those moments where we don't see eye to eye on a parenting decision? There's small things and there's big mm-hmm. things. What are some of the ways that we can tackle those moments and come out um, doing it well? Yeah. One of the things I think Laura was great at doing um, with with me in, in parenting, especially in moments of discipline, um, I kind of had a little flashpoint, so I could move in hot, hot and hard sometimes. When the, especially with one of the boys, when they were you know, doing something inappropriate, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Laura would often see something in me and go, "Man, that's not Jeff at his best. He he's he's better than that." And ooh, he's too harsh on the boys right now. And I remember early on, one time she kind of interrupted me as I was disciplining the boy. And as you can imagine, that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. I'm right. mad at her. Right, I'm, right, right. Fight. I'm ready. To, I'll, I'm like in the WWE. I'll take on all yeah, covers yeah, yeah. now. You know. <laughs> And, and to be able to um, have some way, though, for, for Laura to, to reach out and, and, and connect with me. And so we developed a very simple thing, and I don't think we used it a lot, but I know the few times we did it, it was a game changer for me where she would see me get too escalated with one of the kids, and she would reach over and just grab my arm, gently squeeze it. Not a normal thing we would do, you know, just a gentle squeeze yeah. on the forearm. And I knew that meant, Jeff, you should shut up. Let's mm-hmm. go to another room with you and I have a conversation, and then let's come back. And the few times we did that... It was so powerful for me to be able to de-escalate a little bit. So even that practical way for us to help me regulate. Mm. I think what I love about that story is that we would go to another room and we would say, okay, what did you see? What did I see? And I think so often we get to those points, back to the exact question of where there's this um, difference of opinion on what a child needs in the way of a consequence or discipline or direction. It's really important that mom and dad sit down in a in a non-heated way and just exchange ideas. Because you know what? Sometimes I see stuff that Laura doesn't see. Yeah. And most times Laura sees stuff that I don't see. <laughs> and if we can have that give and take, that interchange, and be able to go, hey, it's really important that we look at what the situation is. And let me bring it to you from a male perspective. This is what I'm seeing, babe. And, and for Laura, from a female perspective. And then sometimes just going, well, this value, how do we live this value mm. out for our children? And even in doing all that, there were times we were still stuck. Yeah, and I yeah. think in those moments, one of the things we're so grateful for is there's there's probably four couples in the top of my head right now who were about a season or a half a season ahead of us in parenting. And I can remember so time, so many times reaching out to one of them was Bob and Susan. We would reach out to them and just say, hey, Bob and Susan, this is what's going on with one of our kids. We don't know what to do. Hey, how would y'all handle this? And so many times listening to another couple was like the turnkey. It just mm-hmm. opened up the door to go, oh, we're taking this one too seriously. Or, oh, wait a minute, we, we need to lean in a little bit more. And it would help us get on the same page sometimes just by having a third party, if you please, great. be able to kick it around with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that open dialogue and open communication. Even, I think sometimes whenever a spouse um, um, approaches that that situation like yours, 
um, it feels like a personal attack. Mm-hmm. You know, like yes, you know, and and I don't like personal attacks. And sometimes we we take things personally. It's not meant for personal. Mm-hmm. It's just we're trying to help one another in this process of parenting. And and so many times we take that as man, it hurts, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and then that defensiveness comes up. Exactly. And then, it, right. you know, then the arguments and then the, so. Right. Yeah, I, I think it was particularly hard for me who, when Jeff would be strong with the kids, that I think I felt this protectiveness, mm-hmm. you know, that wanted everything to be calm, part of my personality. And so I had to really work at self-control of not, not stepping in. Right when he was in the middle of, you know, disciplining. But, uh, you know, I think, like you said, I think we would, I would say, hey, Jeff, can I talk to you? And we'd go to another room. And there was times when, you know, I remember two different times of saying, I felt like you were too harsh with the kids. I felt like that was too strong. And there was one time he would say, you know what, you're right. I was out of line. And then another time he said, you know what, I really was very aware of what I do. And I was felt like it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And... For, so for me, my part was taking it to a different place and speaking up to it rather mm-hmm. than just stay silent, which yeah, I don't yeah. like conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't like creating more waves. So I had to work at speaking up when I didn't feel mm-hmm. comfortable with something that was going on. And there are natural differences. Our personality wiring, the families that we came from, our own personal stories, our wounds that we bring in, how we, how that comes into how we discipline. But if we can really talk about it when we're calm is really, Jeff mentioned that, That's to say, good. hey, let's talk about how to handle this with this teenager, with curfew, or with mm-hmm. alcohol, or with girlfriends, and you know, how we're gonna handle that. And to take time to really listen to, tell me more about what, what, what leads you to handle it that way. Tell me more and just listen for five minutes to your spouse. Talk. No, that's great. Cause just it, listen. Yeah, yeah, if you close that door, if you mm-hmm. say, you know, I, I don't want to talk through it. I'm, I'm over this conversation and you close that door that the assumptions are there. You, right. you begin to make assumptions about the other person. That's right. And, and then before you know it, you're, uh, weeks, months, years yeah. down the road and this bitterness resentment, begins. Yeah. Right. Resentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when, when you say that, it reminds me that, you know, we, we've kind of talked about this this question of parenting decisions when we disagree. And we've brought in this category of, of what happens when we see behaviors from each other that we don't like as much, kind of that my harshness is what it was. I, I think just kind of a little caveat here. There's an old DC talk song uh, that <laughs> yes. just dated me, yes. didn't it? No, uh, come golly. on. Can you Love sing? It. Can you yeah. sing a bit of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drop the track and I'm here. No, <laughs> no, but the, the lyric that always I think about so much with parenting and with marriage you know, tell me what's going on inside me. I despise my own oh, behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, that's kind of the key to this whole uh, harshness slash parenting differences at times is we have to really make space for self-care as moms and dads. And so often my ugly moments in parenting, my, my too harshness with my kids, was I was unaware of what was going on inside of me. And, and for me, generally, it was either fear or shame. I was either afraid that my kids would become, you know, like imprisoned because they were doing such bad behavior and really all they had done was, you know, thrown a, a, a smoke bomb in a, a school building or something, you know, they weren't tearing a, a, the world apart. Or it was my own shame. Man, what have I done wrong? They're a reflection on me. And, and I think we have to be so aware of that internal world, that internal dialogue, because when we're not, and this ties in that beautiful Wellspring package, then 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, mm. Jesus says. And so often I think that's what happens is what comes out of us is something that we didn't guard the wellspring of our heart with. Yeah. Really yeah. important yeah. to see that. Wish If I had a do-over, you know, that would be one of several things I know I'd want to be doing differently as a dad is pay more attention to my inner world before I focused on their outer worlds. Wow. Which brings us to our last question. Mm. I think as as we leave, you know, this is about legacy. This is about mm. what we pass on. And, and so how do we set our kids up for success in their future marriage through our marriage? Yeah. I, I read that question that you sent early, and I, I thought, I have no idea. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, I, I look at where our kids are. Uh, three of our kids are married. Our three boys are married right now. And Laura and I often look at them and go, they are so far ahead of where we were at that age. <laughs> There's something that they have in the way of engagement, intentionality, and how they talk about their wives and how they engage with their wives. And sometimes we go, man, I think we taught them that. And other times we go, no, I'm, I'm not so sure we did. <laughs> you know? So we've kind of lived by a mantra. We're very careful not to take credit for the good things, because if we do, we have to take blame for the bad things too. I mean, the reality is, is we wanted to create, as Laura said earlier, that safe and secure environment where they were free to be themselves. We wanted to work hard on our marriage because we know this. What we did and what we have is a model for them. Uh, it's been interesting. One of our sons has said to me, Dad, there's so much about your marriage we want to be just like. And there's other parts of your marriage. Wow. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm thrilled that he can discern mm-hmm. and that we're kind of a a model at times for good, maybe at times a model that he doesn't like. But I'm thankful that we can have those, those conversations. Yeah. I think also instilling in them some biblical truth about what marriage is at a young age. Our, our culture really is confused about marriage yeah, in yeah. many, many different ways. We could talk about that for a whole session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think to be able to instill in them about what it looks like to be intentional in choosing a man, choosing a woman for, for our sons, for our daughters when they marry, to be able to engage in such a way that marriage really has something more than just the person I love, but there's something far deeper going on in marriage, that marriage mm-hmm. has a spiritual discipline component to it, that marriage is the way that we understand Christ's love for us, His love for the church. So I think part of it is letting them see the sanctity, the holiness, the grandness of marriage. And then finally, I think the last thing I thought about this one is, is to be able to cast a vision for long-term marriages. Uh, right now, you know, marriages are disposable. Uh, and so we really wanted them to to see in us that we are committed to going the distance. Um, we're fortunate. We come from Laura's mom and dad who were married over 50 years. And so that was easy. Wow. My dad was married to two different women for 26 years each, and both of them passed. But there's just been in our legacy, we're blessed. Not everybody gets that, but we're blessed to be able to point back and say there's something about the permanence of marriage that really matters. It was mm-hmm. it was God's idea. He created it. How do we honor Him in our marriages as well? Wow. That's incredible. Guys, this has been so rich yeah. and deep, and I know that I've benefited, you've benefited yes. from it, and, and our parents will as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys so much for so who welcome. you are, mm-hmm. and and just you guys are a gift to us, a gift to our our church family, and we are so grateful for you. you. So thank you. It's great to do this with you today. Thank you. Awesome.